It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Hello, everybody. All the votes are now counted, even even though in some places it took two weeks. But we're we're going to have to talk about that. We're we don't want New Jersey to become a national embarrassment. We're going to have to have discussions going forward as to why it takes so long to count votes, why it takes so long to to find winners. I mean, except for a few recounts, and recounts rarely change anything. Uh, so except for them. Election 2021 is now in our our rearview mirror. Jersey's already moving on. We're looking at congressional races in 2022. Uh, People have already started to plot out the 2023 race. Both years are hugely dependent on redistricting. And already there is no shortage of talk about the next governor's race. That's coming up in 2025. Phil Murphy has not even put his hand on the Bible yet to take uh, the oath for the second term, and people are already talking about the next governor. Uh, I've said this before. There's there's no place on earth where where politics is a better spectator sport. When it, when it comes to campaigns and elections, uh, uh, New Jersey is the state that never sleeps. And, and it's not just politics that makes Jersey fun. So get this. Last month, the FBI executed a search warrant uh, to dig under the Pulaski Skyway in Jersey City because they now have new evidence that Jimmy Hoffa is buried in a metal drum beneath a landfill. Uh, there's there's no there's no actual digging right now. At least at this point, the FBI is using radar equipment. Uh, this is 46 years after uh, his disappearance. The search for Jimmy Hoffa's body continues. And if Hoffa's been in Jersey City all this time, I mean, frankly, I'm I'm, I'm feeling this is probably a little bit more like Geraldo Rivera kind of stuff uh, rather than taking it, you know, really seriously, but. Uh, if they solve this 1975 cold case, uh, at least nobody's going to dig up Giants Stadium. Uh, and the late governor of New Jersey, Brendan Byrne, used to joke, and he did it repeatedly, uh, that when he died, he wanted to be buried in Hudson County so that he could remain active in politics. And when the governor died in 2018, his friends and his family held a, a ceremonial placing of the ashes at Healy's Tavern in Jersey City. So if they find Hoff and Hudson, we're, we're all going to have to raise a, a glass for Governor Byrne. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. I am, I'm really looking forward to today's show. We have three first-time guests. Coming up at 421, I will speak with another giant slayer of the 2021 election. That's Assemblywoman-elect Beth Sawyer, a Republican who ousted one of the state's most influential legislators. His name is John Berzicelli. He was a 10-term assemblyman and chairman of the Assembly Appropriations Committee. Uh, And a little after 4.30, I'll be joined by Passaic County Commissioner John Bartlett. The the commissioner won re-election to a fourth term by 901 votes out of Almost 115,000 cast, but, but get this, it took two weeks to count those votes, and for almost a week, Commissioner Bartlett was trailing by 11. Uh, I'm going to ask the commissioner about this roller coaster ride that he's experienced. You will not want to miss that. And at the 445 mark, I'll speak with one of the most powerful people in New Jersey politics. That's George Helmy. He is the chief of staff to the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy. George Helmy is one of the architects of Phil Murphy's first term and his reelection, the first Democratic governor in 44 years to get a second term. So if you want to know how Team Murphy pulled this off, don't go anywhere. Uh, The big story of the week, at least governmentally, is the passage by the House of Representatives of of Joe Biden's $1.75 trillion Build Back Back Better program. And, And this bill passed along party lines, no doubt it's going to be one of the cornerstones of next year's midterm elections. Uh, at least two New Jersey Democrats, Josh Gottheimer and Mikey Sherrill, uh, they both represent Republican-leaning districts, at, at least until the new map comes out. And both of them laid down an early marker that made 
property tax relief a non-negotiable point uh, when they were discussing Build Back Better with Democratic leadership. Uh, Gottheim and Cheryl want to restore the state and local tax deduction. That's that's what's known as the SALT deduction. It allows people from high state, uh, high tax states uh, like Jersey, like New York, to uh, again, be able to deduct their property taxes from their federal income tax. Uh, Gottheimer and Cheryl, part of the, the No Salt, No Dice, the, the No Salt, No Deal group. Now it's up to the U.S. Senate to approve, or reject, or, or change the House bill before it goes to the White House. Here's what Congressman Josh Gottheimer had to say about the bill on Friday. We're going to play you his comments. Huge week here in Washington. Two Grand Slam home runs. First, on Monday, I was at the White House who signed into law the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Uh, once in a century, physical infrastructure helping our roads, our bridges, our rails, helping build the Gateway Tunnel, taking care of uh, making sure that our, our water is clean to drink for our children, broadband for our unconnected areas of northern New Jersey, and most importantly, you drive around that you hit those potholes uh, and you know we've got the third worst roads in the country in Jersey and a third of our bridges are unsafe people are stuck waiting outside so frustrated waiting outside going to New York City on the train outside Secaucus these investments are going to help not just by making your life better by of course creating jobs as well for for Jersey so two million jobs a year nationwide for the next 10 years and of course making that commute better so you get home at night see your kids get to work in the morning also, just a few minutes ago, we passed here uh, a, the, 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 one of the big things that I've been working on for years now, tax cuts for hardworking Jersey families re, by reinstating the state local tax deduction or SALT. We know what that is. We know in 2017 what the Moocher states did to us by capping out SALT deduction. Now it will be reinstated, finally giving tax cuts to Jersey. The tax cuts you deserve to make life more affordable. So that'll be coming. It also includes help for childcare and pre-K and cleaning our drinking water up and fighting climate change and making prescription drugs more affordable. Lots of things that are great for us and fighting for Jersey. And one of Congressman Josh Gottheimer's Republican opponents is, is Nick DiGregorio. He is a retired Marine combat infantryman. He served in Iraq and Afghanistan. He I remember a couple of years ago told me, you know, you have to be careful how you talk about it. You can't say an ex-Marine because once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. Uh, but Dick Gregorio was quick to criticize Gottheimer's vote. I want to read you what he said. He said, Gottheimer cannot hide behind the SALT deduction in justifying his support for one of the most economically devastating bills to ever hit the state of New Jersey. Uh, this is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour and Talk Radio 77 WABC. And before Assemblywoman-elect Beth Sawyer joins me in a few minutes to, to talk about her historic victory in South, in, the, in South Jersey. She represents a district that is parts of Gloucester, all of Salem, part of, of Cumberland County. That's the part of New Jersey that's wedged in between Delaware and Pennsylvania. I want to share with you one of the great New Jersey political stories, and it involves her district. Uh, as political feuds go, and in, in Jersey, there, there sure are a lot of them, this might be one of the best. So back in the early 1970s, Gloucester County was represented by a Republican senator named James Turner and a Democratic assemblyman named Kenny Gewertz. Uh, they were both in their early 40s. They were both in their first terms. I remember Gewertz from uh, when I worked for a senator around that time. Uh, I mean, you couldn't forget this guy. He had a big, bushy mustache. He wore a, a leather sports jacket. Uh, sometimes he wore these plaid suits. They had incredibly loud colors. Uh, he used to drive... Uh, to Trenton, uh, either in his orange Corvette or, or on his motorcycle. And Guertz and Turner, they hated each other. It wasn't just political jealousies. I mean, that was a big part of it. But this was a feud that started a few years before when, when Guertz was a young police chief in Deptford and Turner was a private investigator. And in 1973, Turner was so determined to destroy his rival that he conspired to plant drugs in Gewertz's Cadillac and in his garage. And an investigation led to Turner's arrest. He was charged with hiring three known criminals to 
plant, uh, I mean, a large quantity of amphetamines, about 6,500 pills is what they put in Gortz's car and in his garage. A jury convicted Turner in less than two hours. He was sentenced to five years in prison. Turner refused to leave the the Senate race. He was up for re-election. After his conviction, they tossed him out, but he wouldn't give up his campaign. The Gloucester County Republicans pulled their endorsement. They ran ran their sheriff, Walter Fish, as a write-in candidate after a Superior Court judge wouldn't take Turner off the ballot. That seat went to a Democrat. His name was Ray Zane. Uh, Turner still, despite these events, still got more than 20 percent of the vote. Zane stayed in the Senate for 28 years. He didn't leave until Steve Sweeney beat him in 2001. And Gortz might have been one of the most colorful men to ever serve in the New Jersey legislature. I mean, he was he was able to keep his seat until the Democrats finally finally tossed him in, in 1979. He, he became a little too controversial for them. Uh, one year later, he he went and filed criminal charges against four Atlantic City prostitutes because Gortz claimed that that he stole uh, the, the the prostitutes in Atlantic City at a casino stole about eight thousand dollars worth of his jewelry from him. Uh, he ran for the Senate at some point. He lost that primary by a, a two-to-one margin. And, and, and by the way, not that this story needs more, but but there is something else. The father of the man who admitted to planting the drugs at Kenny Gortz's house testified at Turner's trial that he, he had paid Turner $500 to fix a criminal case from him. Uh, at Turner's trial, the father said that he had threatened to kill Senator Turner if he didn't get the case fixed. And in Jersey politics, well, I mean, it is it is never, ever boring. That is uh, uh, that is for sure. That is an absolute certainty. Uh, and so coming up next is Beth Sawyer, new Republican assemblywoman from South Jersey. She took out a 10-term incumbent in the same district that saw Steve Sweeney, the Senate president, lose his seat. You are not going to want to miss this. And after that, I'll be joined by Passaic County Commissioner John Bartlett, the winner of a close race this year, and then by George Helmy. He is Governor Phil Murphy's chief of staff, one of the most powerful people in the state of New Jersey. So please don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss any of this. This is David Wildstein. I am the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. Welcome back, everybody. Republican Beth Sawyer was elected to the New Jersey State Assembly on November 2nd. She won a South Jersey seat that the Democrats have held for 20 years. Uh, Assemblywoman, welcome to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. Well, thank you, David, for having me. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you for coming on. Assemblywoman, Ed Durr's defeat of Steve Sweeney was national news, but, but I mean, you two were a giant killer. You you ousted a 10-term incumbent, John Bersicelli, chairman of the Assembly Appropriations Committee. That's a big deal. How did you do it? It is a big deal. I'm very proud of it. Uh, listen, I, I hired Steve Cush as my campaign consultant, and he said that the first thing out of his mouth is you have to trust me. We're going to stay on point, and we're going to put out a message, and that's what we continue to do over and over again about the you know taxes always rising, never coming down. Um, the constituents came out. They they spoke. They voted red all the way down the ticket, and we won. And I, me personally, say we won in a landslide. And I mean, Steve, th- this is something I'm hearing over and over in South Jersey, which is which is the compelling message for for South Jersey Republicans is hire Steve Cush. Steve Cush did an amazing job. I mean, he really did. Uh, his messaging. We ran a campaign with integrity. Uh, we never smeared the other uh, opponents with lies. And as you know, we took an arsenal of attacks from Sweeney and his in his uh, camp. But we stayed on point. And, you know, I'm proud to say that at the end of the day, I slept well knowing that it was done with integrity. And you didn't spend a lot of money, right? I, we spent about a total of 20000 And And when, you know, I, th- I think this, this assemblywoman might be, Maybe one of the one of the, the the misnomers about this campaign is is people say Democrats didn't take the race seriously. They didn't do anything, but but they were they were going after you, weren't they? 
Yeah, I think Steve Sweeney totally disregarded Ed Durr. He, I think he was so pompous and arrogant. He never thought that the uh, truck driver from Logan Township could take him out. So they gave Ed very little airtime. Uh, him and Berticelli were running around telling people that I was the only one with half a chance of taking out Talaferro. Uh, so they consistently attacked me over and over again. Their campaign spent about $1.8 million with constant uh, attacks. But I took that, you know, it stung at first. And then I was like, you know what? They're scared. There's a really good chance that I can win this because why would they spend this kind of money to hold a seat for $49,000 a year? One of the last things that Steve Sweeney said to me when I was at the debate with Phil Murphy and uh, Jack Cetterelli was, he, we had an exchange, and he turned around, he looked at me, and he said, you don't have enough money to beat me. And I started laughing. I had to remind him I wasn't running against him. Um, I can't wait to see him again so I can say I didn't need money, but I had integrity. Uh, Bertuccelli told me that he would send me an invitation to the inauguration. So, John, if you're listening, I'm going to send you an invitation. You're more than welcome to come. I'd love to have you there while you see me get sworn in. Now, and I'm speaking with Assemblywoman-elect Beth Sawyer of Gloucester County, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I'll admit I didn't, I didn't expect the kind of upset that we saw uh, in in the third district. But what were you sensing when you were when you were out there, when you were ringing doorbells, when you were standing outside supermarkets? What what were you sensing in the field there? And that's the one thing. It was definitely a group effort. We were all out knocking on doors, and the consistent message was. People were so tired of the property taxes. That was a, a constant. It didn't matter if they were Democrats, undecided, or Republicans. It was the same response. Uh, I think people just have grown tired. It's nothing to brag about when you have the highest property taxes in the country. And they felt like the Democratic Party had left them, that you know they, their messaging has become so far left that they just didn't want to be involved anymore. I was pretty shocked by how many Democrats, long-life Democrats in areas like Paulsboro, Gibbstown, that said, we're voting for you because we believe in you and we think that you're going to be the, the face of change. And that's what happened. They showed up, they voted, and we won. And it, it seems there, there, there was a sense of irony, at, at least at least a little bit. I mean, there was, it was no secret that, that Steve Sweeney and, and, and Governor Phil Murphy were, were not exactly close Uh but Sweeney got a lot of Murphy's programs through the legislature in the first term. Was Did Steve Sweeney wind up paying a price for what Phil Murphy was doing? I think Steve Sweeney, Berticelli, and Talaferro all paid the price because when you sit back and you watch a governor put one out of three businesses out of business permanently, you watch over 8,000 nursing home deaths of veterans and, and seniors, and you said nothing about it. You didn't come out in outrage. You didn't, there was no article saying, hey, we're against this. That sent a message to everyone. How do you stand back at, when you're in leadership? And you do have a power. You do have the power to speak up. And people would have listened to Steve Sweeney if he would have actually have said something. But he chose not to. And that's because, you know, his deal was if, if uh, Murphy won, he'd run for president. And Sweeney was going to run for governor. I think that plan got changed uh, quite significantly on November 2nd. And, you know, listen, people are so happy that they are gone. I've gotten more phone calls with people thanking me for ending that long, uh, long journey of just Steve Sweeney, the rain he had on New Jersey was not, it was not good. And I'm speaking with Beth Sawyer, Assemblywoman-elect from the 3rd District. And, and Assemblywoman, I, th I think of your I think of your your district. It's, it's, Gloucester, it's Gloucester, it's Salem, Western Cumberland. I mean, I, I guess there's probably a Point a place you can stand in the third district where you can see both Delaware and Pennsylvania at the same time. So, so this is the part of Jersey where where Joe Biden was essentially the the third U.S. senator for thirty six years. How did President Biden play in your election? Uh, that was the other thing. Knocking on doors, people were just disgusted what was going on in the White House. I come from a military family. Uh, my brother did almost twenty five years in the service. He did four uh, tours in Iraq. And to see what happened in, in Afghanistan is so disheartening. There's still Americans over there that are trying to get out. And I think that, you know, that really hit home with people. How, how do you do that? How do you leave Americans behind? And I think that that was a large part of it is just seeing what this man has done to this country in 11 months is absolutely disturbing. 
So I think people are sorry that they voted for him. Um, I think that they're hoping that we can have a, a change quickly back to the right if, if we all work together. And that starts with the school boards all the way up to the Senate and uh, Congress and, and all the way up to the presidency. And, and I want to talk to you about a little bit more about Governor Murphy. I mean, your your win, Beth Ann McCarthy, Patrick's win. Do you do you see this as a, a mandate to vote against the Murphy agenda when you get to Trenton? Listen, I promised the constituents of New Jersey I was going to be their voice and vote for what's right for them. I do not back any mass mandates or vaccination mandates, and I, I promise to hold true to that. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was down in, in Atlantic City and to see how many Democrats were there shoulder to shoulder at the parties we were at. And I'm like, these are the same people voting to mask your children in school. I'm tired of the hypocrisy. I truly believe God has chosen me for this path because I'm going to fight as hard as I can for the people of New Jersey and try to make a difference and get us back to a normal life. This has been going on for over two years. I mean, this is crazy that this is what the life we've all been living because you got one governor that's, you know, using these mandates to try to control everyone. And then you look at states like Florida and Texas and people are living freely or Christy Noem out in um, South Dakota. She never even shut her state down. So when you start looking at that, you ask, you know, what does what does he gain from this? Right. And it's the it's the power, the power hungry tyrant that's ruled us for so long. It, it, he, I wish Jack would have won. Jack came very close to winning. Unfortunately, not enough Republicans showed up to vote for him. And we're going to be stuck with him for another four years. But we're going to fight to stop his craziness. Now, Assemblywoman, uh, Republicans picked up six seats in the assembly. I mean, you're still in the minority. This is going to be the, the biggest minority Republicans have had in 18 years. Uh, I think it's nine incoming freshmen. Do you want the Republicans in the assembly to be loud and vocal and partisan, or or do you want a caucus that's that's going to be cooperative and amicable and, and maybe maybe try and convince the speaker to post some of your bills? I think it's both. You know, it, it depends on what it is. I'm, I'm a very passionate person. But also, too, if it's if it's good for New Jerseyans, I'm going to vote for it. It doesn't matter if it's a Democratic bill, Republican bill. If it's what's best for the residents of New Jersey, I want to be behind that. There are some times where you have to reach across the aisle and say, let's work together. And there's other times where you have to be loud and say, listen, stop masking these children. This is insanity. You know, it's the same guy, Phil Murphy, that every time I've seen him, he's never worn a mask, but he's the one preaching that we should all have him on. Again, it comes down to hypocrisy. Rules for thee, but not for me. That needs to end. Well, you know, I mean, I, I do have to say the times that I've I've seen Governor Murphy and I, I remember the last press conference of his I went into, everybody was masked. He came in wearing a mask, didn't didn't take one off until he began. Uh, I saw him at the debate. I didn't see him with his mask on. I'm speaking with uh, Beth Sawyer, Assemblywoman-elect from Gloucester County. Uh, Seven of the newly elected Republicans are are women. Uh, Sometimes I think it's ridiculous when people just assume that all the women are going to vote as a a block. Uh, Is that correct? Again, it depends on the issues. I'm sure that there are some Republicans that are a little more moderate than not so far right. And, you know, look, diversity is a good thing. I'm glad that, you know, women, that there's going to be more of a female voice in Trenton, especially in the LD3 area. Uh, This is the first time I believe that a Salem County female has ever been elected to assembly. Uh, But, you know, look, it's it's sitting around the table. It's having a brainstorming of, you know, different thoughts. I like to listen to other people so I can hear their insight and then make a decision that, again, is best for New Jersey. And and I mean, I have one one last question before we go off. What about committee assignments, Assemblywoman? Have you you thought about where you want to be when you're when you're in Trenton in January? So I definitely want to be on the mass mandate, the vaccination mandate bills. Um, There's something in in Woolwich Township that's very near to me, uh, near and dear to me, is the TDR uh, program that was imposed in Woolwich by Sweeney and his people that has really um, held the farmers hostage in my area where they're they're really restricted to the sale of their property. And um, this started when I was on land use board, when farmers were coming in front of me saying they can't sell their property because they couldn't sell it to a builder. 
It was one house per 15 acres, and no builder's ever going to do that. So I made a promise to them, whatever I can do in Trenton to try to repeal this TDR program um, and make it so they can sell their land and they can retire, that, that's one of the committees I want to get on. But I know it's going to be assigned, and whatever, whatever's assigned to me, I'm going to jump in there and do my best to, to make New Jersey proud. Well, Assemblywoman-elect Beth Sawyer, congrats again on your win, and, and thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you'll come back. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. And we will be right back with Passaic County Commissioner John Bartlett. And later, uh, I'll be joined by George Helmy, Governor Phil Murphy's chief of staff. So please stay where you are. You won't want to miss either of them. This is David Wildstein, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. John Bartlett was reelected to his fourth term as a Passaic County Commissioner on November 2nd. Commissioner, welcome. Thank you very much, David. Good to be here. Well, thank you for coming. And, and you have a fascinating story, Commissioner. You were, you were an Associated Press reporter. You worked as a Starbucks barista before going to Harvard <laughs> Law. Uh, you know, I read I read that your, your father was a, a country doctor, and, and that's where your commitment uh, to service came from. Uh how how has all that uh, affected your 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 desire to govern? Wow, you dug way back into my bio for the uh, Starbucks reference. But yes, uh, that's all true. My dad is still a country doctor, pediatrician out in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and uh, you know all of that sort of guided me towards an interest in public service. Uh, I didn't in college realize that I would want to go to law school, but I, in the years after college, I saw that a law degree was a path to getting to do some good work in the policy space. And once I was practicing law, the opportunity to, to serve and to run for elected office came. And, and by the way, I thought Commissioner mentioning Starbucks barista was a, was, a, was a good way to telegraph that you're not an old man. Thank you. Thank you so, very much. I, so, feel, I feel like I've aged quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, though. Well, that's, and I, I want to talk to you about that. I mean, you, you won three times by, by impressive margins. Uh, you, you, you unseated an incumbent nine years ago by about 29,000 votes. This year, you won by less than 1,000. Out of, a, out of more than 100,000 cast, 115,000. What happened in 2021? Yeah, look, it was a great reminder that elections aren't decided by who's registered, but by who takes the time to vote. Uh, you look at Passaic County and the up-county towns, the Republican strongholds, turnout was over 40%, and turnout in our cities was less than 20%. And that made the difference, uh, you know, in terms of how close it ended up being. And I'm speaking with Passaic County Commissioner John Bartlett. I, mean, I was I mean, I was glued to election results in Passaic County, maybe maybe not as much as you, but I was watching closely. Uh, you were behind on election night. A week later, you were down by 11 votes, 11 votes out of out of over 100,000. I, I keep saying that because it's significant. Then on the the last day of counting, you won. Uh, here, first of all, here you are. You're, you're, people, people should know this about John Bartlett. You are one of the best election lawyers in this state. You're one of the strongest voting rights advocates in New Jersey. So, so here you are, an expert on counting votes, and you're sitting there now as the candidate. What's going through your mind through all this? You know, it, it was. You're, you're exactly right. I've, I've gotten plenty of clients through this circumstance, and this time I was the client. And it was really just a matter of, you know, recognizing and understanding that the process takes a while to play out. You know, we've got this expanded vote by mail and new policies in recent years that are good because they make it easier for people to vote and they make it more likely that folks folks will be counted. But what that also means is that in a close race like this, it takes the time for those vote by mail ballots to arrive in the mail and to get counted and to get evaluated before you really know what that outcome is going to be. And it's nice to know the outcome on election night. But one of the things I think we all need to get used to as voting rights expand, and particularly as there's more vote by mail uh, uh, in use in, in New Jersey, is that sometimes you won't know. And you've you got to be comfortable with that. But it, t- it took two weeks to count votes. I mean, I think that's too long. I think that undermines confidence in elections. It, it, I mean, there was, uh, Commissioner, there was, there was, 
there was no evidence of voter fraud in New Jersey this year. I mean, there was absolutely none. But how do how does New Jersey fix this issue so that the public has 100 percent confidence in the counting of votes? Yeah, I think there's two pieces of that answer. And one of them, uh, David, I sort of just touched on, which is that knowing now the different ways in which people can vote, you've got to recognize that it's going to take time. Uh, the other piece of it is that we do have this accretion of new voting rights laws getting built one on top of another. And that's great. Like I say, all these expansions, early voting, which was new this year, uh, they're terrific initiatives. But as the legislature piles one on top of another, you get internal inconsistencies within the voting statute, which is Title 19 of the New Jersey Code. And, you know, for example, the law says that if you move within 30 days of Election Day, you're supposed to go back and vote in your old precinct. But you can also register to vote now as early as 21 days before Election Day. So there's a whole lot of little things like that. Back in the 1970s, New Jersey's criminal statutes had become outdated and unwieldy, and the legislature convened a commission to review and rewrite all of them, the Title II C Commission. And it took a couple of years, but created a new set of statutes that were clear, consistent, and still in use today. I think it may be time to think about a Title 19 commission. We're doing superb stuff to improve voting rights. We may have same-day voter registration if that legislation passes in the weeks and months ahead. That's all terrific because it increases eligible voters' access to the ballot. But as we layer those statutes one on top of another, we need to go back now and harmonize all the different deadlines the legislature has established for different things and make sure that all this works together in a practical sense. You know, boards of election are supposed to perform an audit after the count is done, but before results are certified. That was between Tuesday and Friday of this week. Uh, that can't be done, and that practical viewpoint also has to be a piece of, of making it all work. So wouldn't you feel, Commissioner, wouldn't you feel better if there was, at least on election night before people went home, before they, before they turned the lights off in the Board of Elections, if there was, there was a little bit of transparency or a lot of transparency, and they simply said, we have votes that haven't been counted yet. Here's how many we have in our possession. Wouldn't, wouldn't that give people a little bit more confidence if, if they were to show their work and say, say we have X number of votes and therefore uh, don't be surprised if these votes get counted and, and they show up and they change the, what, what the election looks like? I think it would, but it's also important to remember that you won't know some of those numbers. I knew on election night that additional ballots would be coming in by mail. I didn't know that it was 2,700 of them. So – Again, we need to be comfortable with the uncertainty, but yes, the transparency is important. And also recognizing that mistakes happen. We had uh, five precincts in uh, Patterson where because the poll workers locked the machines before re removing the, uh, the memory card that has the vote count on them, it took until the next day and a court order to get those five precincts. Uh, little errors like that happen. What's important to remember is that all these offices, the boards of elections, the superintendent's office, these are all bipartisan offices. There are controls in place. Uh, there's the new auditing that's available. So I think to some extent, and I, I say this having just gone through it, you've got to trust the process. But uh, yes, the more that that can be clear and transparent, the more that people can understand how the process works, I think that's good. One of the things I've always done is I've put out videos and other little explainers about how voting works. Uh, if it's something you only pay attention to on Election Day, it can be confusing. But uh, there's, there's plenty of information out there for people who want to understand the process. And, and Pasea County Commissioner John Bartlett, I mean, now that you're, you're, you're going to be back, what, what do you want to accomplish over the next three years for the people in Pasea County? Well, I want to keep helping families and small businesses recover from COVID. We've had the benefit of American Rescue Plan and CARES Act funding. I spent 2021 spearheading a rental relief program to prevent evictions uh, for residents who suffered job loss due to COVID. Uh, I want to follow through on that and get Passaic County families and businesses back on their feet. Uh, the other thing I'm heading into over these next two years is uh, I'm going to be, be becoming chairman of the board of the North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority. That's the entity that allocates federal funding for infrastructure and transportation in 13 northern New Jersey counties. 
So when you talk about Gateway or when you're talking about all the other opportunities and investments we're going to be able to make with the about $12 billion in new funding that's coming into New Jersey thanks to the federal infrastructure bill, uh, there's a lot of great, exciting work to be done, and I'm really looking forward to getting started. And you're, you're serving, Commissioner. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be starting your 10th year on the board. This will be the first time a Republican's ever sat on that dais with you. What, how will that change things to have a, instead of 7-0 Democratic, 6-1 Republican? I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. I, I don't know uh, the newly elected commissioner very well, uh, and I'm looking forward to getting to know him. Uh, my approach, you know, has always been one of working together, and this is true, you know, in a county with a lot of Republican mayors, a lot of Republican, uh, you know, municipal councils. Um, I don't take a particularly partisan approach to governing, and uh, you know, I hope and and look forward to being able to work together. And and. I'm speaking with John Bartlett, County Commissioner in Passaic County. I, I know you thought about running for Congress uh, three years ago. There's there's a lot of talk about Mikey Sherrill running for higher office. She she has steadfastly refused to, to say anything about that, which is smart. But if she does, if she gives up her seat at some point, is is Congress still in John Bartlett's future? It could be. Uh, you know, it's very possible, as you pointed out. I, you know, I do still have a federal campaign account. Uh, I've run in the past. You know, it's hard to predict anything uh, in hypotheticals, David. Yeah, but it would make my job so much easier if you could. So. <laughs> of course it would. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to make any news on that today. <laughs> but I'm just happy to have gotten through election 2021. I'm looking forward to getting back to uh, to governing and hopefully taking the lessons of, of these last couple of years when New Jersey has gone through so much change from expanded vote by mail to all vote by mail last year during the pandemic to early voting being implemented this year. A lot of counties having new voting machines. Uh, you know, let's take what we learned this year and, as you said, build or rebuild public confidence in uh, the electoral system. And, uh, you know, folks like me get to keep on trying to do our best work for the counties and the, the places we represent. Well, Passaic County Commissioner John Bartlett, uh, congrats again on your, your re-election. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much, David. I enjoyed it. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. And we will be right back with Governor Phil Murphy's Chief of Staff, George Helmy. You're not going to want to miss what he has to say, so please don't go anywhere. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. Welcome back, everybody. George Helmy is Governor Phil Murphy's chief of staff. Before that, he was Cory Booker's state director. Uh, Before that, he worked for U.S. Senator Frank Lautenberg. Chief, welcome. Hey, David, great to be with you. Thank you for having me on. Well, and thank you for coming on. I, I want to talk to you about the election, about governing New Jersey, but, but I, want to, I want to start with something else. Uh, I know you're a Mets fan. I, I forgive you for that. Uh, but Governor Murphy has said repeatedly it took him four years to clean up his predecessor's mess, and now his predecessor is helping to run the Mets. Do you, you think you'll wind up in flushing to fix that mess, too? <laughs> Um, no, that's a great lead in. Um, there's no great answer to that. But uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a long suffering Mets fan, we continue to look forward to our better years ahead. Would you take the job if it was offered? Would you leave Phil Murphy to go work for, for Steve Cohen at the New York uh, Mets? I, I serve at the pleasure of the governor. And, uh, you know, when he's when when he says go, um, you know, who, who knows where I end up? I, I may end up at City Field. Okay. Uh, uh, not maybe as player, though, on, right? On the field. Maybe, well, I'd say, David, maybe actually on the field, given how some of the players have performed. Well, that, that wouldn't be so bad. As a Yankee fan, that wouldn't be so bad at all. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm speaking with George Helmy. Phil Murphy broke a 44-year streak of Democratic governors of New Jersey not winning a second term. Uh, I mean, how did he do it? Uh, David, uh, again, uh, just uh, thank you for having me on. Congratulations on the success of this show and, and, and the site generally. Thanks. You know, I think it, it starts clearly with the candidate. It always starts with the candidate. And I think if you look uh, at the data, you know, my, my dad uh, always told my brother and I, you know, the numbers don't lie. Many people have opinions, but the numbers do not lie. And for four years, this governor has led us through 
um, you know, the worst pandemic of, of our lifetime has shown clear and concise and determined leadership and made very hard decisions, not based on politics or his next election, but on saving lives. And then if you look at the policies that he and the legislature passed over these four years, they've been core to working families. A, a tax cut uh, uh, that, that provided middle-class families a, a rebate earlier this year, expanding the EITC, expanding the child independent tax credit. You look at the investments we made in affordable housing, lowering the cost of health care, lowering the cost of college tuition, the historic investments in public education, working to make pre-K affordable and accessible to every family in New Jersey. We had a record to run on, both in terms of leadership and policies that worked for, worked for working families in New Jersey. And I think that's why you saw over 100,000 more individuals come out to vote for Governor Murphy than they did for candidate Murphy in 17. And, you know, um, the, the history you just talked about, right? Molly and Jackie ran a campaign that was laser focused on the message that I just, that I just gave and led to making history first governor reelected as a Democrat in nearly five decades. And you're the master here, David, I'm the student, but I think this is the highest vote of any gubernatorial candidate probably in 36 years. And so the numbers don't lie. And I think we did it uh, to your question. We did it with a candidate who did all the things I just did. Uh, any one of those would be legacy, a legacy item for any other governor. He's done all of them. And we ran a very disciplined campaign and that's a credit to, to Molly Bonato and Jackie Burns. And I'm speaking with George Helmy, uh, chief of staff to Governor Phil Murphy. The, the Murphy-Cittarelli race was, I mean, it was close. It was, it was closer than the polls showed. It was, it was closer than I thought it would be. Uh, did, did, did these numbers come in about where you thought it would be, or, or did you think Governor Murphy would win by more? I think we always knew it was going to be a close race. And, you know, um, I know everybody's going to do their qualitative and qualitative quantitative analysis, but we always knew it would be a close race. It's been a very difficult year or two years across the globe, clearly in, in the United States and in New Jersey, and, and people have fears or frustrations um, related to my kid is wearing a mask, uh, you know, the vaccine, um, my, my job is not normal. Um, life just has not been normal for two years. Compound that with the economic health um, considerations that have come out of the pandemic, inflation and other things and and we knew it was going to be close people are suffering people are frustrated they want their lives to be normal and you know we were the incumbent and i think you saw uh, a wave from virginia to pennsylvania and new jersey and new york and you know again i just pivot back to the reason we overcame that and the governor had a higher turnout in 17 is because he had clearly communicated who he was and what he was going to do and did it uh, in, in the last four years. But to answer your question, it was close. You, you have to give uh, you know credit to um, the, the assemblyman and his team. Um, but victory was the goal and victory we achieved. So there's this, I guess there's this old adage. I certainly didn't make it up, but I, I've heard it a lot over the last couple of weeks. And, and, you know, it is, is what do they call a governor who, who wins re-election by a narrow margin? I think, I think you know the answer to it. Yeah, what do you call the the guy who wins by one governor? Right, and, and then, uh, you know this governor won by a lot more than one. And as he has said, David, that means we go boldly forward with the continued promises and the continued path that we have set forth in four and the four last four years. So I'm speaking with Governor Murphy's chief of staff, George Helmy, uh, one of the most powerful people in the state of New Jersey. And, and chief, these these head to head polls were wrong. I mean, I think the I think the turnout models that we saw, and I'm not talking about your turnout model or Chitterellis. I'm talking about what what some of the pollsters were doing. But I'm not sure the job approvals and the favorables were wrong. Do you, am I right or, or do I have it incorrectly? I would agree with that. I mean, you know, even in, um, you know, the polls we saw, but both public or internal polls, what we heard about, uh, you know, other polls, there was a morning consult poll that came out earlier this week that still has the governor's approval ratings, uh, you know, above 50, favorability strong. And, you know, we've all seen the, the way New Jerseyans view favorably his, his handling of COVID. Uh, I think what is very hard to uh, document quantitatively is that underlying frustration that has come and, you know, folks are going to do a postmortem. I'm sure McCullough's team and others are doing postmortems, and we'll try to tap into you know what exactly led to the surge in voters uh, that came out against a number of candidates. Um, but I, I, I believe, Dave, Dave, anecdotally, 
um, that again, it's just the, the pain and the frustration and the suffering we've all um, been under for the last uh, number of months. Now, some Republicans won't like me asking this, uh, but, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, we we saw in some late polling that COVID moved from the number one issue in the state to to down at three or four, that taxes at the end of the election uh, moved back to the top. Uh, did the governor lose votes because people who approved of his handling of the pandemic were, were no longer frightened uh, of COVID? Uh, I, look, I think, you know, as the numbers got better uh, in the uh, summer and in the early fall, you know, people started to focus on, you know, the economic health um, impact of the pandemic. And, you know, affordability and taxes are always an issue in New Jersey, which is why this governor has tackled that head on. You know, the lowest increases in his first four years as compared to, I think, four or five of his predecessors. I think the the and, and we want to turn those increases into reductions, but you have to tackle the systemic underinvestment in uh, a number of areas, including public education, which is 50 plus percent of your um, property tax bill to really drive that down. Um, so so I think the answer to your question is, you know, yes, people started to focus on the economic health. You know, gas was more expensive. The cost of goods more expensive. Those are national and international pressures. Uh, but again, I go back to how were we able to sustain that wave? And that's based on the record the governor had on actually tackling the affordability in New Jersey and delivering property ta- uh, sorry tax decreases to working families in New Jersey. And I am speaking with George Helmy, the chief of staff to the governor of New Jersey. Chief, what is what does the second term look like? And I'm not asking you to preview the the inaugural address or anything, but but in, in general, what what do you what do you think term two of Phil Murphy is going to look like? You know, the, the, as I said, David, and I appreciate the question. You know, we have made transformative change in the state under this governor. I think this governor will be viewed as the most consequential governor in the state's history, or among the most consequential governors in the state's history. First, clearly for the handling of the pandemic. But he's wholly reimagining the economy in New Jersey. You know, people have played around the margins. How do I do certain things uh, to create jobs? But they always view it in the prism that is the current economy. And I think this governor is creating economies out of whole cloth that are going to provide good paying union jobs, whether they be imagining, reimagining green economy in southern Jersey and working with Senator Sweeney and others in South Jersey to be the gem of the green economy across the eastern seaboard will create tens of thousands of good-paying jobs, both on land, manufacturing, and in the deployment of wind energy. You have film and TV coming into the state as we've never seen before. We are competing uh, with California and Georgia for film and TV studio space. I'm sure you've seen the, the significant interest in Fort Monmouth from very big players in that space. Obviously, cannabis will be coming online. So it's it's going to be the economy. But the economy has so many – I just talked about the jobs portion. But it's also about the workforce development, and that starts with a quality education for every child in New Jersey, regardless of what zip code you're born in, what race, what gender. So it starts with early education, the investments, the historic investments in pre-K, making sure every child gets a quality K-12 through education, lowering the cost so more kids can be going to our community and higher education institutions and developing the workforce for those jobs that we are creating. So it's going to be a very economic-focused second term. And Chief, one of, one of the things that I, I have heard over the last two weeks, and, and during, that, during that race for Senate president, I spoke to a lot of Democratic state senators, and, and Democrat after Democrat said to me, we've got, we got to stop this liberal stuff. We've got, to, we've got to move more to the center. We can't govern the state from the left anymore. Is, is that true? I think when you look at the what we would qualify as our progressive victories, I think those are working class victories, and we have to speak to them more clearly. When you talk to folks and you say the word progressive and you say underneath that, these are the progressive things that this governor has achieved. I've raised the minimum wage. I've given every worker in New Jersey paid sick. I've made equal pay the law of the land. I've made college more affordable and put more money into health care subsidies to make your health care more affordable. I've made the pension payment for the first time in decades. The pension payment this year, David, as you know, was $6.4 or, or, cha- or cha- and change billion dollars. If our predecessors had made their pension payment as required, which just let's clarify that, that pension payment is keeping our promises to hardworking middle-class families. 
If they had made their pension payment, the pension payment this year would be $800 million. We would have had $5.5 and change billion dollars to reinvest back into whatever we wanted to, including property tax relief. So when you talk about progressive values and progressive policies, and then you clearly define them, those are, those are core to the affordability and, 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 and equity issues that our middle-class families face in New Jersey. So I don't agree that we're pivoting to the middle. I think we need to be bold in continuing to fight for working-class families in New Jersey. So I'm speaking with George Helmy, Governor Phil Murphy's chief of staff. Chief, what should I make of people on both sides of the aisle who say Phil Murphy is running for president? All I can tell you is what the governor has said um, consistently throughout the campaign. Our one focus was on, on election day, was to win the battle on election day, and then to be here for four years to see all that we have built, all the seeds that we have planted continue to grow. And uh, I, I know this governor, I know him well, he will be here for four years, and his only focus is the state of New Jersey. So you're not gonna you're gonna give, you're not gonna give me a, a major news story today, are you on that? Uh, I I will not be breaking any news <laughs> on that, other than telling you this. As I said, this governor is laser focused on continuing the successes of the first term for four more years. I tried, and I and I, and I want to ask w- w- one last question, just a, a prediction, because if if you you know this, if you have inside information, you probably won't tell me either. But but Jimmy Hoffa is he is he below the Pulaski Skyway? I, I, I don't know. I was, I was as fascinated by that story as, uh, as I'm sure all were, but you know, only in New Jersey. David. Only, only. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that makes New Jersey special. And it is, you know, we, I, I say this all the time. We all talk about it. Everybody in New Jersey, just whether you're a Democrat or Republican, a, a, a liberal or a conservative or a moderate, you just, people just love Jersey politics. They love it. It's, it's the only place where the, the sport is played at this level and in this way. And, there's a consequential election every year. We have the congressional races up. Obviously, we just reelected the governor. Uh, we have the congressional races up ne- uh, next year, and then we go right back to Senate and Assembly races in 23. Well, I am uh, I'm grateful for your time, Chief. I, I've been speaking with George Helmy, the chief of staff to Governor Phil Murphy. Thank you so much for coming on. David, thank you for having me. Happy Thanksgiving to your family. Happy holidays. Well, Thanks. Same, same to you. And, uh, and thank you, everybody, for listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. I'm David Wildstein, I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. We'll be back next week uh, with more about the greatest state in America. Uh, thank you for listening. This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe.